Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. You hear the phrase a lot, it takes a village. Well, I am a big believer in this. And social connection is one of the most important aspects of both your physical and mental health. I mean, this is just research and it shows that it can lower anxiety and depression, helps you regulate your emotions, lead to higher self-esteem and empathy, and actually improve your immune system. But what often gets overlooked is the significance of friendship and community when navigating the dating landscape. Now, not only can a good support system provide emotional support when navigating the challenges of dating, it can provide more social opportunities to meet people, boost confidence in flirting, and I have some stories around that, and offer realistic perspectives and expectations on different scenarios. So in the pursuit of romantic connections, it's easy to become almost hyper-focused on one-on-one dynamics. Like you might be going through life, swiping right and left, going into a party or wherever you are, just focused on finding a potential mate. And that is That is a big mistake, in my opinion, because by doing so, you're missing the opportunity to build friendships and connect with others who are just as important in building a strong foundation in your love life. And whether you're single and mingling or in a committed relationship, having a supportive network and genuine friendships play a pivotal role in shaping your dating experiences. But I will say it's hard when you are dating later in life because the infrastructure of your social life just disappears. You know, when you were younger, gone are the days where you had that infrastructure for your social life and you were in college, you had a lot of activities around you. Even in your young 20s, people are going out after work and happy hour and they're in similar places in their lives and there were more opportunities to meet other singles. That is why you really have to be intentional about building a social circle. I mean, this is the thing that changed my life. When I got divorced, I remember, I mean, moving from Chicago to LA, leaving my whole support system behind, and they were all married and coupled off friends. And then I get single in LA and the only friends that I had made when I first got here were other, you know, mommies and other intact family friends. And as nice as they were, they just didn't get the energy that I need and the people who would kind of lift me up in my single life. And it wasn't until I met my good set of wing gals, we called ourselves sex in the city. And I kid you not, like we every week would go out and we would practice this thing called flirting. And we all had different techniques and we all like really honed in on like what worked for us. And we all felt like it was overwhelming when we first went out. And then we just got really good at it. And then we just embraced it. And the very thing that I felt was daunting, I now teach. And of course, I, as you all know, I do flirt workshops. So because of my own experiences, that is why I'm so passionate about building co-ed communities with my programs, no matter what program clients of mine are in, I always have them create, it's something I call a social plan. It's just like a business plan for their dating life. I just finished my dating retreat program, which some of you have heard me talk about this. It's a select group of women and men wanting to improve their dating and love life. And one 
of the number one benefits that everyone came back with, they all said this, is that they had finally found their tribe. Most of them were feeling alone. They had lost a lot of their friendships or their friendships weren't serving them. And so now they're like in a group of like-minded people and they can't leave each other. Like my last group, they actually planned a Vegas trip without me, which I love, by the way. Like I, I, that's my hope in building these communities. There's one woman in particular in this current group where she almost quit and she didn't come to the retreat because she was sitting at home, really being isolated in a really deep hole of depression. And it was a rabbit hole because she couldn't get out of her own way. She couldn't get out of the house. I said, get in class because we start in a class and get out of the house, get out of your own way. And thank God she did because after that, she she soared. I mean, she started meeting guys at the airport. Like this is a woman who was staying home, rocking in a chair saying help. So again, the power of the tribe is so important. And joining us today is a special guest. We're together, we're gonna explore the ways in which friendship and community contribute to a thriving, fulfilling life, especially in your love life. She is so awesome. She's like a sister. She's from Chicago too. She is a personal growth strategist, author, philanthropist and businesswoman with a sparkling personality. And you'll see about that. After spending more than 15 years as a child care provider, formerly known as the Windy City Nanny. I love that. I wish I knew you. Oh my God. When I had my kids, she is an authority on child care, family and village support in this new millennium, born and raised just outside of Chicago. She wants to show people that not only is the saying, it takes a village true, but also how important the need for community is. Her latest book is Build Your Village, a guide to finding joy and community in every stage of your life. She has been featured all over the place in media outlets like The Sherry Show, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox TV, Jenny McCarthy Show. Oh my God. And now she's on the Charisma Quotient. Welcome, <laughs> Florence Ann Romano. Hi. Oh, hello, Kimmy. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for such a warm and kind welcome. And I do feel that kinship to you, that Midwestern thing. You can't escape it no matter where you go. And we're blonde. <laughs> like, how is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You don't want to shake it either. There's something special about how they grow them in the Midwest. Is it? <laughs> we are. We're homegrown. And I right. mean, I, I, even though I'm in LA, I still feel that, you know, that kind of Midwest, you know, heart, I will say that. Well, I, I just love what you're doing and what you're up to and your message. I mean, it's so funny because I talk about community all the time. I haven't really had a guest on to focus on this stuff. So I'm just, I'm super thrilled about the conversation we're about to have, but I would love to hear your story. I always like hearing people's backstory and how you got into all of this. So I'd love for you to share that. You touched on it a little bit with the Windy City Nanny. So let's take it back to that in a very long story short so we can focus on the good stuff. Yeah. Um, I I started a lot as a lot of young girls do as a mother's helper. I was always interested in in child care and I loved babies and um, I always wanted to be a babysitter. So I did the mother's helper to a babysitter to then becoming a nanny. And I worked with many different families over the 15 years. Uh, after I retired from being a nanny, I always use the phrase uh, from Mary Poppins, I stay until the wind changes. And the wind changes for a lot of different reasons. I actually ended up um, starting a digital content company that I had for about seven, eight years. And um, we did video for mission-based businesses, which I loved, kind of blended a lot of the things that I love in my life together. 
Um, and so I had my childcare background. I had this digital content background dealing with philanthropy and mission-based businesses. And uh, then I started doing a lot of media in that time regarding childcare in the new millennium and what was changing regarding childcare. And I got to do a lot of media about that. And then COVID hit. Mm. Uh, and I started looking at the landscape of our lives, kind of our personal ecosystems and thought, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the village and do they just show up at your front door? Is there a number to call? You know, what is this village that people keep alluding to? And I thought, you know what? People are are bemoaning the fact that there isn't a number to call or there isn't a roadmap for it. Well, I think it's time to actually give a roadmap to this because it can be done. And so uh, during COVID, I decided to write my book, Build Your Village, which you had mentioned. And I created six archetypes of villagers in the book that you identify with. You think about who am I as a villager in other people's villages and who do I need in mine? Because this work is not selfish. This work is about community and relationships. And we can't just look at ourselves and what do I need? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, it has to be about also how we're helping the world, how we're helping each other and showing up for each other. Uh, and so uh, now in my personal growth kind of capacity, I get the opportunity to talk about building relationships and not just for parents, because that proverb was written for parents. It takes a village to raise a child. But I cut that in half saying whether or not you're a parent. Don't you deserve to have a community? Don't you deserve to find your people? The answer is yes. So no matter what you have going on in your life, no matter what you were born into, this work is for you and you are absolutely deserving of it to find your support system. So that's where I am today. I love it. And I love that you started with kids too, because I always use kids as a metaphor, like even when it comes to dating, because they're, they're natural connectors. They're natural yes. flirts. They're natural, <laughs> like, you know, kind of creatures of curiosity, which helps them connect with each other. And then I just find that, you know, over time later in life, everybody develops filters because right. maybe of hurt that has happened and people are protecting themselves. And then we become more introverted, you know, in some ways. And then that disconnection starts happening as we get older. Right. So right. it is such a beautiful, you know, kind of almost metaphor to think about, like, you know, with kids, it, it's just like, what happened to us? Like, why, why do we lose that kind of luster for connection? And even though we have it deep inside, you know, but it's, it's fantastic. So how do you use then this kind of theory of it, it takes a village to help others? I want people to understand again, that no matter what you're born into, because we're not all born into this cushy, beautiful village, perhaps, you know, we're born yeah. into what we're born into. And uh, sometimes you, you lean into that and sometimes you want to lean out. And I want people to feel empowered that no matter what is going on in your life, if how out of control you feel, that there is a place you can take control. And this is a place you can do that. Uh, you can choose who's going to become your family. You know, you're going to choose those friends that will feel that way to you. you they say, you know, you want to be gravitating toward people that feel like sunlight. You know, that's, that's, I, I love that image, you know, because it, it, it alludes to this, um, this warm feeling, this coziness, this security. Um, but I also want to expand people's minds to understand that 
when you are creating this village, you are looking at it kind of like a movie or a play. It's casting the main characters. So let's think about who exists currently in your movie, who's already cast and who's not. And maybe you need to fill in those gaps, but you might say to me, you know what, Florencia, out of the six archetypes, I've got four and I'm good. I don't think I'm missing anything right now. And that's okay. You don't need six to be a fully functioning and secure and supported individual. It depends on what you need at that season in your life, but it's allowing yourself the opportunity to look inward, to look at your landscape of your life, how you're building your villages, what your relationships are like, the health of your relationships, and figuring out whether or not the right people are sitting in the right seats. Maybe you need to fire some people. Uh, you know, it's there's a lot of reasons why uh, the deck kind of shuffles in life with your relationships and friendships. And instead of getting mad at the idea that things end, um, it's it's about embracing the idea that there perhaps is a greater more purposeful reason for beginnings and ends of things. And instead of concentrating on the ending, understanding what you learned and then going forward and understanding how to apply what you've learned to what you are going to do differently in the future, how you're going to make different choices, whether it's dating or friendships, you have to understand the lessons first before you're actually able to make any changes. I love that. And I love what you're talking about, the beginnings and endings of friendships. And I think that's something that we all sometimes hang on to. And especially when it comes to your dating life, like I will talk to clients all the time about, well, who's your support system? You know, what is your social circle? And nine times out of 10, you know, especially if you're dating later in life, people are coupled off or married, you know, in their right. social circle. And, and right. it's like, not that you have to fire necessarily those friends, but sometimes it's a reshuffling. Don't you think like it, that you have to put them over on another shelf. It's like, well, maybe those are the people that you kind of, you know, on Sunday go to brunch with, but they're not somebody on a Friday night that you're going to waste your like flirty time with, <laughs> you know, right. so sometimes there's different categories of friends. But that's exactly it, Kimmy. There are yeah. different categories of friends. There's going to be the friends you go to to have drinks with because you're going to have a great time. There's the friends you're going to go to that's going to give you the tough love. You know, you have to have different friends for different reasons. And even yeah. in romantic relationships, I always talk about this with my girlfriends. We always say that we're each other's soulmates. You know, the guys, they're a nice ad, but we're really each other's soulmates. And you can't expect your romantic partner to fill everything that you need in life. That's why you have friendships. That's why yes. you have other relationships to be able to fill those buckets, to be able to fill up that mosaic that you kind of have within you. Uh, to put that pressure on a romantic relationship or even a friendship, Kimmy, is not fair. You cannot make one person your everything because you are setting that person up to fail. And that is so unfair. It's so true. And then the other thing that I find, and I want to talk about you in a second too, because we were talking off air about you being single. And I think right. there's so many things that we can apply here. Um, but as you shift and change, like yeah. as a person, and I see this happen a lot with my clients, I said, you know, expect a lot of friendships to, to not like the new you. 
Mm. You know what I mean by that is that, you know, mm. like I, I was working with a woman who, you know, always kind of attracted narcissists in her life, including friendships and a lot of takers. But a lot of it had to do with her people pleasing ways and not setting boundaries and, you know, not really having a voice. And I said, you know, as you get stronger and you start voicing your needs and your expression of what you want, expect some of those people to not like that. Kimmy, you are hitting the nail on the head. Some, you know, I was just talking to a girlfriend this morning. I, I go, I walk every day. It's like my therapy. I, I love it. And, and my yeah. another girlfriend does this too. So today she called me, she goes, I know you're walking. And I was like, you're walking too. I said, I <laughs> so we talked about a lot and she's going through a breakup right now. And uh, a lot of similarities in her breakup to my breakup, you know, about a, you know, that, that ended about a year and a half ago. Mm. And, um, we were talking about the people pleasing aspect, which you just, you touched on. And I'm a recovering people pleaser, I think, and I will be for my whole life. Um, you know, you, you want people to like you, you don't want to disappoint people. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand why people are people pleasers, but you know, often that comes with, you know, feeling walked all over or taken advantage of, or, um, misunderstood, um, and, and betrayed all these different things. And so, um, she and I were talking and I had read a quote the other day that completely resonated and hit me just like right square in the heart. And it said, in order for you to really recover from being a people pleaser, you have to be comfortable or get comfortable with disappointing people. And yeah. that like really hit me because that's hard for me. It's very difficult for me to think I've disappointed someone. And I was raised also with a very uh, narcissistic father. And so, you know, growing up, it was very difficult because I felt like I was always failing, you know, I was failing. Yeah. Him. And, and so, you know, how that's carried over into my adult life, I'm sure my therapist would love to, you know, get into that. Um, but I, I, I do know that I just tend to be more of a people pleaser just because it's my personality. Um, but how I've seen it play into my relationships, even mm -hmm. my friendships, you know, the platonic and also romantic, um, that learning to be able to be comfortable with disappointing, that is kind of just, I, I think something, I, kind of an anthem I play in my head a bit, because for me, I have to understand that I can lean into that, but I also have to find the compromise for myself on what that means, because I'm not going to be okay disrespecting people. I'm not going to be okay being mean to people. Right. So what's the compromise for me? What's my delivery in, in, in making sure I'm creating that boundary? How do I say what I mean without saying it mean, as I always say? So that's my message for everyone out there too, is you can lean into this idea of disappointing people, but find an avenue or a language to do it that you can go to sleep at night knowing that you still stayed true to who you are as a person and how you treat people. I love that. Thank you for sharing that too, because I think everybody listening is really resonating with what you're saying. And you know, this whole notion of casting your, you know, tribe, so to speak, I think really speaks to what you're talking about too, because if you're used to casting people who are takers, mm -hmm. not maybe intentionally, right? Right, right. I, I, I always say, you know, like it, even like with the dates, if your type, 
isn't working for you. So you need to find a different type. And different it type, be, yeah, exactly. You know, and you need yeah. to find maybe a different avatar or cast member to your tribe as well. And the only way that you're going to experience that is to try on some different people for size. So if you're right. used to always having those cast members, you know, in your tribe growing up as a people pleaser, then you know, try on for size people you would never normally, you know, right. maybe be friends with. And right. then that's where you get to practice being different. So to your point, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to voice my opinion here, or I am not going to worry about disappointing that person. I'm just going to say my truth. And the right people are going to respond to that, you know, mm -hmm. and that's how you can like build like a healthier relationship or social circle too. So I think right. everything you're saying and like your whole philosophy about the village is so spot on, especially with this part of your life. Well, thank you, Kimmy. I mean, not everybody's going to be for you and you're right. not for everybody. I mean, and that's okay. I mean, I think that's the wisdom that comes with age, as they say, that we, you know, we learn to care what people think of us less as we get older. But again, I, I always like to give the disclaimer and the caveat to that is it doesn't mean that you treat people badly. Because I think when you say lines right. like that, it somehow makes you feel like you put this ego behind it, you know, where right. it's, you know, I, it's like, you know, it's not, I'm better than holier than thou, you know, I don't care what I say or what I do. I can treat people how I want because I'm old enough to do that now. That's not what we're talking about here. You know, creating boundaries for yourself, you know, standing up for yourself, uh, and creating an environment for yourself and loading your your cast with people that complement you, challenge you, help you grow, continue to help you be the student in life, all of those things, that's healthy. Those are healthy things to do. But you going out there and treating people like dirt because you you think you deserve that at this point in your life, that that's not the same thing. So I think it's important that we also make that disclaimer because I... I sometimes see people abuse that. Yeah, or uh, misunderstand it. Yes, yeah, misunderstand yeah. that, and that, and right. that's not what this is. Yeah, and on top of that, you know, also you might have people or cast members in your tribe now, and in theory, they're you're like, oh, well, I've I've single friends, but then they're negative Nellies. Like every time you're with those women or you're with those dudes, they're right. trashing the opposite sex. They're trashing <laughs> dating. Everything's right. bad. Like the neg. So I think the other aspect is make sure that these are people that are lifting you up that benefit your life. Because I think the power of the tribe, and I see this all the time in my communities, it takes one negative person or two negative people to spin the whole group out of control. And so it rubs off on you. And I think that's, again, the power of the tribe, it can work in a both positive and negative way. Right. Right. And yeah. the energy, energy is everything in life. Yes. You know, we're, we're made of energy. Energy can never be destroyed. Energy is a very powerful thing. And you were talking about kids in the beginning and they're uncensored, you know, and fabulous to, you know, to, <laughs> you know, observe and witness, you know, how they interact with people. But that's one thing children, I, I believe that's one of their superpowers is picking up on people's energy. And, you know, you'll see those kids and I would, you know, as a nanny, I would see how certain kids would gravitate towards certain people where maybe they wouldn't be so open to talking or hugging or interacting with a, with a, 
with an adult, um, but you see them do that with a certain adult and you're like, gosh, what's the difference there? And I can tell you 10 out of 10 times, it's going to be because that person's energy is something that's attracting that child to them in a safe way, um, and in a way that's allowing them to, you know, let down their guard, what, however you want to put it. But I think we forget that a lot of the lessons that we learned in the sandbox apply to us as adults too. We don't really change all that much from, you know, the children that we were to the adults that we are now. Uh, and we do need to take lessons from children in a lot of ways regarding how we interact with people and how we, um, navigate that energy. Uh, and there is such a thing as, you know, you know, when we talk about empaths or people walking into a room and, you know, you're, you can feel that kind of dark or kind of icky energy from someone. You're like, I don't know what it is, but I just don't like this. I don't like yeah. this or something that's giving me the, you know, icks here. You got to pay attention to that and whether or not you allow that in your life and, and what way you allow that in your life. And that also brings up the boundary conversation. Something I'm talking about a lot right now with the holidays you know, you've got family members you sometimes can't avoid. How do you deal with it when you have to be with someone that doesn't have the energy that works with you? There's, you know, so there's a lot of layers to this. That is, no, that's true. And I love the notion of, you know, kind of checking in with yourself. Cause I think a lot of times people ignore their own intuition and yes. own like feelings about something. Again, especially if you're like a caretaker or people pleaser, you'll, you'll almost discount it or push it down just right. to please the other person. And I think that's so important to pay attention to your own reaction to things. Cause yeah. I was going to say like, do you have, I know like what I do with, with, you know, just single people, but like, I was curious if you had some tips for people who don't know where to start to build their tribe. Like how do they shed maybe old friends and get new ones, especially if maybe they're a little more introverted. Cause I work with a lot of people who have some social anxiety and introversion. I, I during COVID I, I struggled, you know, with this too, because I was reading so many articles about loneliness, the epidemic of loneliness. Oh yeah, totally. And, and how mental health is suffering, mm -hmm. you know, at an exponential rate now. And uh, children, especially when they were taken out of school and, you know, they weren't socializing anymore and already shy kids were becoming even more shy and, you know, they were kind of retreating. Adults were doing the same thing. I said on one of the first shows that I did after COVID, I said, I've noticed something. People now have the opportunity to connect again, but they don't want to. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that to me was the most profound kind of aha moment for me was you're, you now have the chance again and there's no more excuses. So why aren't you doing it? And that's what it really comes down to. This work only works if you work it. You have to want to do this. So my tip, the first tip I give most people is philanthropy. Uh -huh. For people that are shy, for people that, you know, have a hard time maybe getting out there, they're not going to walk into a bar, they're not going to walk into a party, and that's not going to feel comfortable for them. So maybe philanthropy is the right way to go. Find something that makes your heart beat, like I always say, makes your heart flutter. And Google, whatever, ask you in your community and see if there's something that you could get involved with because A, it's going to be something that means something to you. It's going to be a passion of yours, hopefully. And B, you're going to meet people that are like-minded, have similar values. 
And perhaps friendships are going to grow from that because you're already there with a common purpose. There's already a conversation starter there for you. So philanthropy will always be my very first piece of advice for anyone who's looking to take a step. That's awesome. And it's so like congruent with what I tell my people too. Cause like, I, I don't know, I hate singles events. I know like, Oh gosh. Yeah. Then they're the worst. They're the worst because there's this like hunter energy that Mm -hmm. is there. Exploration in the air. Right. And everyone's competing, you know, Mm -hmm. there's this competition and there's always like more women than men. And there's just this weirdness happening. And so I, to agree. It's like, find your passion, find your hobby, something that you're interested in. And also that you're confident in, because then you'll have that air of confidence as you're talking to other people about the subject matter. And what I like about the philanthropy angle is it gives you passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the hardest things too, for people to connect is when they walk to your point in, it's just like, almost like a free for all, like there's no, purpose for people, you know, like going into a, you know, just a bar. Like for me, it's easy because I'm more of an extrovert, but like for somebody who doesn't have that, having almost like a role kind of going back to your metaphor of having a cast member, you know, like you, this is your script. This is your role. Yeah. So that's really cool. And it's also, you know, in business and I I apply kind of this business, I guess, mentality, even to my dating when I'd I'd have to go to so many networking events and it was the same thing, like single thing, like, Oh yeah talk, you know, people. And so um, I never walked into a networking event ever with an agenda about what am I going to get from this? It was always about me putting the emphasis on the other person. It was tell me about your family, tell me about your kids, you know. And I remember people telling me for years that they would connect with me after that networking event. And they would be like, gosh, I don't even know what you do, but they would connect with me because they enjoyed the conversation. That yes. Oh, I'm so, so glad you said that. Yes. Right? So that was always my trick was right. lure them in that way. You know, I put the emphasis on you and then hopefully you enjoyed the conversation enough that you're going to want to get in touch and we'll have another conversation. And then I can share things about myself too. I'm an open book. It's not like I'm trying to be uh, mysterious because I'm, I, I'm not a trusting person. Um, but it, it, it was for the, I guess it was, there was an agenda for me in that, but it wasn't because it was self-serving. It was, I really wanted to know how I could be helpful to that person versus what can they do for me? So if you can enter a situation in that way, thinking, what can I gain from this in terms of support? Or, you know, how can I show up for my community? What can I do for you? Uh, that changes the whole game when you when you approach it and frame it that way versus going in like hunting, like you said, and making it so self-serving. It changes everything energetically for you too. So just that small shift that you can make really can make a huge difference in how you connect to people and the type of people you're going to connect with. Oh my God, Florence Ann, you're like speaking my language. I'm like, yes, I'm so happy that you're saying we were kindred spirits. We know it wasn't just the Midwest. We did not plan this. I know. Well, well, and it's funny because the networking skills that you use in business, I tell people all the time, it's no different than dating. It's like, and you can use it one and the same. Like if you're in a business networking event, use it to also meet fabulous singles because half the room is are single all the time. Right. right? And so it, it isn't about 
the facts and how much knowledge you have. It's about whether or not someone likes you. And that's the real important piece when you're connecting with anybody, you know? And so I love that you said that, like just, and and even on dates, like with what you said, apply that to dates, just go in with that state of curiosity, that sense of like connection that you want, because you never know, even though that person may not be your person, there's probably something you could learn. Absolutely. And maybe that person could be a friend. Maybe that person introduces you to someone. See, this is part of like building that that now it's almost like a spider web. I see it, you know, it everything is connected. Is. The tentacles reach far and wide. And, uh, you know, I, I think about that all the time too, you know, being single, I always, you know, I, I try to say yes more often to things maybe I wouldn't because I don't know who I'll meet. And for those that are single out there, I don't just think about the man that I may meet in the room. Of course, that's in the back of my mind, Thank but you. it's more yes. so- the village. It's more so meeting new people that maybe will introduce me to people. And I have no problem walking up to someone and having a conversation and saying I'm single. And hey, if you know anyone, I said it to you, Kimmy, before we started. This I know. I was so proud I, of you. <laughs> I have no problem saying yeah. it because you never know. You know, you put it out there and say, yep, you know, if you know anyone, let me know. There's no pressure that I'm trying to put on the person, but it's putting it out there um, to manifest it or to just, you know, be confident enough to be able to say, you know what, it's something I want and I'm willing to, to, to advertise this because I don't know where it's going to go. And so it's, it's being open also to meeting different people for whatever the end game is going to be for that person. And it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard as we get older, we don't want to be as social anymore. We don't want to be saying yes to everything anymore. We're tired. It's exhausting. The dating game. I know it is. I I'm the first one to say that I'm exhausted from it. It's the sex in the city line. When Charlotte goes, I've been dating a hundred years. Where is he? Yeah. And I feel that way about my life too. I'm like, my God, where is this guy? You know I mean? But like, it's, I've had to learn though that I have to I have to evaluate how I'm spending my time because I'll tell everyone out there mm. some of the loneliest people I know are the busiest. So I you loading up your I'm social sure. calendar is not going to lead you to happiness. It is quality over quantity and you have got to be intentional about how you are spending your time and with whom. That's beautiful. Beautiful. And, and, you know, I think in what you're saying, it is being your own advocate, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, whether you're telling somebody that you're single, whether you're putting boundaries around who you spend time with, like it's, it's about you and what serves you. And I just think that's such a great message. Oh my, I could go on and on with you. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, look at the time. I know this better not be the only time we talk. We have to talk again. No, 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 no we will. And then when I'm in yeah. Chicago, we'll meet up. Um, Jeez, I love uh, it. But only in the months of summer. I'm sorry. I know. So, that's uh, right. Summer, <laughs> hey, Chicago in the summer makes it worth it because it's so fabulous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, but I was wondering if you had any kind of last words of wisdom. I mean, what you just said was just beautiful and juicy, but, you know, and also tell everyone where they can find your book, you know, please. Sure. I, you know, one of my favorite quotes, and I'll leave you with this because I really think it's a beautiful philosophy for, for life is my Angelou. People will forget what you said. People forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And a lot of what I'm talking about here is a feeling. Um, one of the best compliments, and this is not to pat myself on the back, I'm just going to say it because it makes me want to continue working at what I'm doing. 
my one of my best friends said she was sitting around with her family one day and they I my nickname is Low L O they call me Aunt Low and one of the family members said you know what Aunt Low is not a person and they all started laughing they go what do you mean she's not a person of course she's a person they go no she's not a person it's a feeling Aunt Low is a feeling mm -hmm. and I loved that feedback because I thought to myself you know what Florence Ann keep leaning into that Maya Angelou quote because that's what I want long after I'm gone that a feeling remains because that feeling is the ripple effect of con being consciously compassionate in life and I fail at this all the time I am not impervious uh, to, to failure. I, I make the wrong decisions. I say mean things sometimes. So I don't want anyone out there to think I know better than you do or I it, it's a holier than thou thing. Um, we're all working on this and I want to work on it with you. So if you want a virtual village in any sort of way, I'm here to be that for you. Florenceann.com is my website. My book is available there or anywhere books are sold and also all over social media, Florence Ann Romano. I answer every DM. And I, I would love to be there for you if you're going to start this, this journey of community. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you so, so much for coming on and definitely check out her book. It looks amazing. I can't wait to get it. So Florence, Ann, oh, thank, thank you. you. No, thank you. You are doing a beautiful thing in this world. You are the ripple effect that I just talked about. So keep on going. Thank you. So thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want help overcoming fears, and maybe you're having some challenges around meeting people in the wild, in person, I have just the workshop for you coming up. And it's really soon, January 23rd, called how to meet people IRL, which is in real life. I've been getting a lot of requests lately that people want to meet organically, but they just don't know how. This is a co-ed interactive workshop to give you the best tips for confidently navigating the social scene without anxiety and without uncertainty. It's more than just about dating. That's the other thing about this. It's about changing the way you mingle, present yourself, and connect daily so that you end up dating with confidence. Just click the link you see in the show notes to register or go to stophatingdating.com, but hurry because seats are limited and I would love to see you live there.